Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. appreciative. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor James filled in for me. How many of you love Pastor James? Did a great job. And uh, just really, really excited. And then my friend Matt Anderson was here last week and just love Matt. And so I hope that you were blessed by Matt and uh, in his ministry as well. And uh, just a, a great friend and great encouragement. And I was just glad that he was able to be here uh, as well. But so we're going to start a new four-week series today. And as I said, it's one that I'm, I'm really excited about. I, the Lord's been speaking to me over and over, and you've probably seen this, within our, within our nation, there's been an increasing uh, mindset year after year, decade after decade, uh, that, that has grown. And, uh, and probably the last couple of decades, I've really seen this, this increase and this, this kind of grow a little bit, and that is that a belief in God, a belief in Jesus has been in steady, steady decline. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, years ago, several decades ago, if you went to somebody and, and you were talking about God or talking about Jesus, relatively, uh, not everybody, but, but relatively everybody would say, oh, I believe in God, oh, I know Jesus, have some kind of a knowledge, some kind of an understanding, but faith has been on the decline. Can we agree with that? Faith has been on the decline. In fact, I, I think that there are many people who, who, who want to believe in God, but now they say, you know, I don't, I don't know if I really believe in God. I'm not quite sure if there is a God. And, uh, and, and, and the, you know, there's a bit of a ceiling sometimes to believing. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, that if you ask them and you, you say, do you believe in God? They say, no way, I don't, I don't believe that God exists at all. There are other people that think, you know, maybe there is, I don't know. I, I once believed in God, I want to believe in God, but there have been some things that have happened that have caused me to question my faith. There were things that, that have happened that I, I'm just not sure, I'm not sure if I, if, I can, if I can believe that anymore. I did it one time, I mean, my kids took, my, my parents took me to Sunday school, I was there as a kid, but you know, I've seen how the world is, and boy, I, I just, I don't know if I can believe that there's a God today. I, I don't know if I can believe that. It, you know, and I, what, I, what I find is, is that, that what we find is that there are people that really, it's not that they don't believe the God of the Bible, but there's a distorted view of God. And that distorted view of God, that kind of uh, mindset, that kind of distorted view of God has impacted. They don't believe in that distorted view of God, but if they really knew the God of Scripture, if they really knew the God of the Bible, that I, I truly believe that faith could grow once again. And so I want to again give you a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a path of where we're going over these next four weeks. And uh, next week we're gonna we're gonna talk about what I call goosebump God, goosebump God. How many of you know the goosebump God? The God you know I ooh I got the the tinglys I, I feel God. And, and I think that there are some people that say you know what I've gone to church and I just I didn't feel God. I read the Bible and I didn't I didn't feel anything. Nothing. I didn't 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 do anything for me. We sang some songs. Didn't do anything for me. I prayed and. It didn't do anything for me, and I didn't, I didn't feel God. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. I want to believe in God, but I don't feel him. We're going to talk about goosebump God. And then in, in week three, we're going to talk about heartless God. And, and, you know, that's I would love to believe in God, but how many know there's a lot of terrible things that happen in our world? 
There are a lot of terrible things that happen. I, I, I've seen things that have happened, children that have been abused and, 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 and children that have been neglected. And you look at other countries and they don't even have food and their stomachs. Are, and and there's, there's terrorism and there's, there, people get all shot up and there's all this violence. and all. I, I don't understand. How can there be a loving God and yet all of this stuff happens? So we're going we're gonna to talk about heartless God in week three. And then in week four, we're going to talk about killjoy God. You know, I'd like to believe in God, but there's just a lot of rules. He just, like, I just can't seem to have any fun. I mean, I don't, I don't get all this, you know. I mean, what, what, th- 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 this God and all his rules and all these things that you can't do. And, and, and I just don't understand this, this wait until you're married before you, before you have sex. I just can't do that. I don't understand that. I don't want to do that. I'd like to have some fun. Killjoy God. So we're, we're going to talk about that. For one reason or another, there are people that don't believe in God, and I don't believe it's because they, they know the God of the Scripture. I just believe that they, got a, uh, they don't have a biblical understanding of who God is, but a distorted view of who God is. And so when we really see who God is, I, I'm really, I, I really believe that when you really see who God is, that your faith will be increased. And so today, I want to introduce our theme a little bit, and, and to do that, I want to just talk a little bit in regards of, of television and, and how television has changed over the years, all right? Television has changed over the years. So if you're older like I am and you say, some of you say, Pastor, you're not that old, I, I get that. And you, you remember back even further. But for me, I remember as a kid growing up that when there was a television show that we, that we wanted to watch, it was like an appointment for the family. You know what I'm talking about? Like after school, after work, you know, you'd like get together and maybe it'd be like 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock, like your favorite show, and it'd be on Tuesdays at like 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock, you know, family time and, and, and all that. Then the, 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 the shows that were, you know, a little less family appropriate would be on later, you know, like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, that kind of thing. They wouldn't creep all the way. But you had a show that you, you really liked. So uh, let me see if you, you know, there was, there, was no, there, were, there was not a whole lot of channels. There was no YouTube. There was no Netflix. There was no Hulu, right? There wasn't anything like that. So, you know, maybe you liked Happy Days. How many of you like Happy Days? Love Boat. And the one that followed Fantasy Island, de plane, de plane, boss, de plane, right? You know, some of you, and if you don't even know these shows, then I'm just, you're just too young. You don't know this. You missed out. Six million dollar man. I remember the A-team with Mr. T. I pity the fool, right? Come on. These are some of the, the, MacGyver, the original, not this one that's on now. I don't, I don't recognize that. The real MacGyver was the one that was on then, right? That was... There are some of you, yeah, yeah, right? So, you know, these, these kind of, Mork and Mindy, you know, these kind, of, these, these kind of shows that were on, you would plan your calendar, you know, you kind of plan your week. And, and the reason you would do that is because there was, there was no streaming services. You know what I'm talking about? There was no catch-up. If you were going to miss, then you would do this thing where you would have this thing that was called a VCR. How many remember? Right? And, you, and the, the hardest thing was trying to figure out how to program to get it right, that VCR, and you hope that there wasn't some kind of something that came that was going to, you know, mess that up so that you missed that recording, like the president come on, and then all of a sudden you missed your show. Because if you missed it, right, then you had to wait until the season was over and hope that you could catch it whenever they were going to air the rerun. There was just, there was no other way to do it. There was no, we, we're spoiled today. We got this thing called a DVR, 
We got this thing called live streaming. We got this thing called Hulu or this thing called an Amazon Fire Stick. And then you got this thing that's called on demand, right? I can watch it all. You got this button on your remote, you know, and it says on demand because I want everything on demand. Here's the thing. We live in an on demand society, don't we? We don't like to wait on anything iTunes, we don't have to wait on our music. We don't, even, we don't even download music anymore. We get on Spotify, we get on Apple Music, we get on Pandora, we get on, you know, Amazon, you, whatever it is. You got it now. You know, you can just, you can, you can call it out and say, you know, I play this, play that. We want what we want. We want now. When we want a show that we want to watch, we want it now. We don't want to wait till the movie comes out on DVD. We got to hack the fire stick so that we can get it while it's still in the theaters and not have to pay. That's piracy, by the way, right? I mean, we live in, everything is on demand. And here's the problem. When we live in such an on-demand generation, I think everything is on demand. I think that we want an on-demand God. Today is on-demand God. We want an on-demand God. We want to pray and God answer now before I leave church. Because I came to church and I got a need and we're going to pray and I want that need prayed for. And then I want to walk out and I want that need met now, today, not, not tomorrow. I, I don't want to wait on, I, I want God prime, all right? I, I, want, I want next day shipping, right? I want it now. You know, thank God we live in the area where we got Amazon being built. We can get the overnight, the 24-hour day. Now we don't have to wait for the two-day shipping anymore, right? We, we want on-demand God. And, you know, you, you might be a teenager and you're begging for your parents to stay together. You want their marriage to stay together. And then their marriage didn't stay together. And you're like, God, where are you? I don't understand. You didn't answer my prayer, Right? You might be the person, you're giving, you're giving to others, you're serving others, you're, you're giving, you're tithing, but for whatever reason, your finances are still a mess, and you've been praying for God to do something, and he's not answering, and you're like, God, I don't understand. I give to everybody else. Why? You know, you, you, you might be somebody that's praying and praying for healing, or praying for a friend or a family member. For whatever reason, they're just not getting healed, and you're like, God, I, I don't understand. You, you might be happily married, and... And, and your dream is to have kids, and you just you keep praying, and it's not happening. And you see all these other people having kids, and some of them don't even want to have kids, and they can have kids, and you can. And you're like, God, I'm praying. God, I don't understand. I don't understand. There's lots of different things that we could be praying for and not getting answers, and, and, and we don't know what to think. And so we, get into, we go, God, you, you must not be real. If you're not answering, like I'm praying, and you're not answering, and then, then I'm really struggling to believe that you're even real, that you're even there. Where's my on-demand God? And here, here's the, the sad truth. On-demand God does not exist. On-demand God does not exist. That is not the biblical view of God. In fact, uh, you know, I, I have a conversation, a very common conversation that I have with people as a pastor, and oftentimes, you know, I want to believe in God. I, I've prayed to get rid of my depression, and, and, uh, and it just didn't happen. I want to believe, but it didn't happen, so I can't believe in God. You know, or I want to believe in God, but he didn't save my marriage. I just can't believe in God. I want to believe in God, but he didn't heal my friend or my family member. I, I just can't believe in God. I want to believe in God, but he didn't work in my, my workplace. He didn't get, I, I, I don't know. But friends, on-demand God doesn't exist. Now, we did a, we did a whole series uh, to open the year, and, uh, and, 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 and it was about God's big story. 
right? We talked about the story of God. We talked about, we talked about from Genesis to Revelation. And, and here's the key. When you take a look at the big story, when you take a look at God's big story, guess who's not the main character? You and I. You know who the big character, you know who the main character is? It's Jesus. It's God. God is the main character of the Bible. It's not you and I. So simply put, it's this. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. Now, I, I, I'm not sharing this to be harsh, but I think that in order for us to really understand a biblical view of God and to get our minds right, we've got to understand who serves who because on-demand God is that, God, you are there and you exist to serve me. You exist to meet my need whenever I want it, whatever I want, whatever I pray for, whatever I need, it better happen now. You are the vending machine, genie, you know, Aladdin's coming out. Rub the lamp, God, and, and that's what it is, and you are here to serve me. But the Bible says, no, that's not the way it is. We don't exist for God to serve us. We exist to serve God. You say, wow, that, that's harsh. Friends, that's the God of the Bible. And I feel that that's bled over into the church. I believe that there are some of us that have forgotten who we serve and who doesn't serve us in a self-centered, uh, narcissistic, on-demand world where everything is around us and if we don't get what we want, we move on. We've got to remember that that is not how it is in our relationship with God. He's not our celestial sugar daddy. He's not the cosmic genie in the sky, right? He's not the cosmic Coke machine. Put a little change in, put a little tithe in, and you ought to get something back. Prayer answered. Here it is. That's how it works. Right? I'm not going to, we're not, we're, that's not the way it is. He doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. So the question then becomes, what is his role? So what is the role of God? What is the role of God? Boy, that, that just seems very harsh. What is the role of God? Let me unpack that. Don't push me away yet. All right? Don't push back on me yet where you go, oh, I don't like that mess. I'm getting up and leaving. Don't leave just yet because you're going to miss something very important. You're going to miss something about the character of God. I want to talk to you about the character of God because when we understand the character of God and we understand who he is and we understand what his place and what his position is, then we're going to understand that, that it is really not good for us to have on-demand God. On-demand God is not good for us. It's not what's best for us. It's an accurate view of God. And so if God is not on-demand, who is he? Well, number one, God's heart is always loving. God's heart is always loving. Let me give you an example. How many parents, I know you raised your hands earlier, so don't hide now. How many parents are in the place, right? Yeah, all right. So some of you just don't want to respond now. You responded earlier and you don't. Okay, I get it. Maybe you're asleep. That's okay. That's okay, I do that. No, when you have children, if you're, a, if you're a parent, I know two things about being a parent. I'm a parent, I know two things about being a parent. Number one, you always love your kids. You may not always like them. You may want to trade them sometimes, right? You may want to trade them. You, 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 you may want to knock them into the middle of the next week, right? No, you don't, no, maybe I shouldn't have said that. You, 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 they, they say, but you always love them. Despite everything else, you always love them. There, there are times you always love. Second, you know, it, 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 it's this. They want something, and you may have the power to do it, but you don't always do what they want you to do. 
if you're a good parent. If you're a good parent, you don't always do what they want you to do, even though you might have the power to do it. And you got to love the grocery store because you're taking your kids to the grocery store, particularly if they're little, and they got to put all the candy and all the stuff right there at checkout. Right? And you know that if they eat all that candy, it's not good for them. That they just had a treat because you were giving them a treat so they'd be quiet all the way around. Now they're wanting another treat and they're like, I'm going to throw a fit right here in front of everybody and embarrass you in the aisle unless you give me what I want. Now don't feel bad if you've given in. All right, I think everybody in here one time or another, we've done that. But let me be honest with you. On demand, when you got a child who's throwing a little bit of a fit in the grocery aisle and they want that and they're trying to establish who I am and what I want and I'm going to manipulate you and I'm going to get that and I'm going to do that. How many of you know as a loving parent, you're like, mm, it's in my power, it's in my wallet, it's in my ability, but I'm not rewarding that. Why? Because I don't want you walking around life thinking that's the way life is. Some of you have employees that parents never taught them that lesson. You have neighbors never taught that lesson. All right? Because loving, that, that's what we don't, or you got, a, you got a child that forgets things all the time. So maybe, you know, gracious, all right, I'll bring your lunch to school today. Oh, I forgot my lunch again. Okay, I'll bring. By the third or fourth time, you have the power to bring their lunch to school again, but you're saying, mm-mm, you're starving today. Mm-mm. Why? Because a loving parent has a, there's a greater level of process and maturity that's involved. So you don't always give what you want. You give what you know they need. There are times when you don't always say yes. You don't always give because you know that there's a greater process down the road. Oh, you need to study. You got homework and you need to study. I'll study, I'll study. I'll. No, you need to study. Come on, I know you're going to need my help. No, no, I, I, I'll study. I'll study later. 10 o'clock at night comes. All right, I'm ready. Will you study with me? Nope. It's in your power to do it. Nope, I'm not doing it. I told you earlier we were going to study. We're not going to establish this habit. Right? Boy, I'm a mean dad, all right? Right? No. No. Why? Because you are in training mode and there is a greater level of maturity. That's what a good parent does. And so God's heart is always loving. He doesn't do exactly what we want when we want it. He doesn't give us exactly what we want all the time because he is working a greater process, not because he's out to hurt us, but because he loves us. We sang about it earlier. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? From the love of God, who shall separate us? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? Now, I'm not sure that there are too many of you that are going to be naked with a sword in your face this week, okay? So let's kind of bring this down to, to today, all right? What shall separate us? Financial trouble? Relational breakdowns? Unemployment? Cancer? Depression? These are kind of the questions. What shall separate us? No, verse 37, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither things present or the future nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus 
our Lord. You need to understand God's heart is always loving. God's heart is always loving. He's not always on demand giving us exactly what we're asking for. Why? Because his heart is always loving and there's a greater process that is going on. God doesn't have to prove his love. He proved his love when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. That while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ did what? Died for us. He doesn't have to prove anything. He already proved it on the cross. If we raise up that screen, there's a cross. He proved it on the cross. He proved it on the cross. <coughs> That's how much he loves us. What shall separate us from the love of God? His heart is always loving. Number two, if God's not on-demand God, who is he? He's always loving. And second, God's ways are always higher. God's ways are always higher. People ask me all the time when certain circumstances, Pastor, why did this happen? Why did this happen? How come this happened? How come God healed this person but didn't heal this person? How come this happened in my life? How come? You know what? There are a lot of things that I don't understand. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. You come and ask. There, there are some times where I may, but there are a lot of times where I'll throw up my hands with you and I'll say, you know what? We need to pray about that because I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. That's above my pay grade. I honestly don't know. Why? Because, because God's ways are higher. I can't explain God's thinking. I think it's dangerous sometimes to try to explain the thinking of God. I, I don't get it. I don't understand all of these things. This is what Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, I, I take great comfort in recognizing that I don't have to know what tomorrow holds because I know who holds tomorrow. I, I, don't, I don't have to know. I, I, I don't have to know. Uh, time doesn't hold him. God is a sovereign God. He works to bring all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And sometimes his ways are higher than my ways. Sometimes his knowledge goes way beyond my limited thinking, my limited ability, what, what I can think. His ways are much higher than my ways. My, my finite mind can't comprehend what his infinite mind can see. And I have to understand that if he is always loving, if his heart is always loving and his ways are always higher than what he is doing in not answering or not, not giving me what I want when I want it, that there's got to be a much bigger purpose and a much bigger plan and something that I don't see. Something more that I don't see. His ways are always higher. But what I've come to understand is that I can trust his character. And I can trust his nature, and I can trust his goodness, and I can trust his heart. And often you don't recognize that, uh, what God was doing until later on down the road. Later on down the road when you look back, sometimes when you look back, you can look and you can go, oh, okay, okay, that's what you were doing. I didn't understand it in the moment. I didn't understand it at the time, but now I know it. You know, I think a good example of this in Scripture is Joseph, not Joseph, uh, the father of Jesus, but Joseph in the Old Testament. How many of Joseph, who was Jacob's son, one of Israel's sons? You know, Jacob, when he was, when he was a teenager, he started, he started dreaming. I think it's good as teenagers to dream, to pray and ask God to put dreams inside your heart, dreams to put inside your heart. And, and he's 17, <coughs> excuse me, 17 years old, and he gets a dream. 
And it's a dream that, that shows that one day his brothers are going to bow down to him. Now, you have to understand that, 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 that his father, Jacob, had two wives. And, and then they gave two of their servants as concubines to him to, to kind of help uh, to have children. That's just the way it was. It was kind of weird. It was really a mixed up kind of family. You think your family's bad? You need to take a look at, at Joseph's family. That was messed up, all right? And he had, he had, he had 11 other brothers. There were 12 and, 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 and he got, got in a family. How many know big families got big problems, right? No, big families don't have big problems. I'm just kidding. All right, that's just other people's families, not yours. Um, but, but so there, there's these, they, they, these two. And, and, and so the wife that Jacob loved couldn't have kids. And so Jacob was the first one, uh, not Jacob, Joseph was the first one later on. And so his father favored him. Well, his brothers didn't like that. And they could see his father favored him. They could see that he was going to get the double inheritance. He was probably going to get the inheritance of the firstborn. Even though technically he wasn't the firstborn, he was of the one wife, but he wasn't of technically in the whole line. And, and, and so a messed up family situation. And then Joseph goes and shares these dreams. He's kind of immature and he, and he has these dreams and he shares these dreams and one day his brothers are off of the sheep they were shepherds and they're off a ways and his father says go check on them and they see him coming and they get this plan and they say you know what we're going to be done with this kid once and for all he, him and his dreams we're going to be done once and for all and so what do they do they they take him and they're really going to kill him but they decide to throw him down in a cistern in a pit and and then some Ishmaelite traders come by and the one brother was going to try to set him free but he was off and didn't realize that they then picked him up and they sold him to some Ishmaelite like traders that went by and they said, you know what? That's it. They took his cloak. They, they killed. They put some blood on it, the blood of a lamb on it. They say, we're going to tell our father a lion ate him along the way. I mean, there was just this whole thing. And that'll be the end of Joseph and the end of his dreams. Now, how many know that doesn't sound like a good plan? At least the plan of God. Not good for Joseph. Maybe good for them, but not good for Joseph. But God had a plan for Joseph's life. God had given Joseph those dreams, and God had a plan for Joseph's life. Now, for me, it would be easy. All right, this is the way it's going to go. I mean, uh, there's an easy way. There's got to be a different way. But no, God's plan was to have Joseph fake death, sold into slavery, and he ends up being a slave of a, a, a guy by the name of Potiphar who, who served in, uh, alongside Pharaoh and, and was, you know, very, very wealthy, and he ended up, God's hand was upon him, and he was second, uh, you know, there. And then uh, Potiphar's wife, she had it out for Joseph. She's like, ooh, I like that guy. My husband's kind of neglecting me a little bit. I really like the servant guy. And Joseph's like, no, I got my integrity and he holds on to his integrity, and she lies about him, and he ends up in jail, and he's stuck there for two years and dreams, and he interprets a couple of dreams that don't forget about me when you get back into the cupbearer, and the cupbearer forgets about him. Hey, all of this stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem like a good plan. All right, that's a lot of trouble. Joseph trying to do the right thing and just continues to end up in trouble and trouble and trouble and trouble in the pit and in the prison. And it just seems like nothing but trouble. And maybe that's in your life right now. Nothing but trouble. Nothing but trouble. But God, you promised me this. But God, you gave me this dream. But God, you did this. Let me tell you something. God's ways are not your ways. And God was manipulating the circumstances and God was moving the circumstances so that when Pharaoh had a dream, Joseph then could be, could, could interpret that dream he was elevated then to second in command and when a famine came into the land God had used Joseph to save up provisions to save the entire area and really what it was really all about was to save his very family and the promise that God had made to Abraham and God had made to Isaac and then God had made to his father Jacob and it was to preserve 
and grow a family. But how was he going to do that? How was he going to get Joseph, who was in this little family, into a position of power in a nation that had the kind of resources where God could bless that nation, even though it wasn't a godly nation, to save up the resources to to begin to save that family during a time of famine? See, this is the way that God sees. God's plans are always redemptive. God's ways are always higher than our ways. Sometimes we don't understand that we're a part of a much bigger story. And sometimes we got to go through a few things. Sometimes we've got to go through some of the difficult things. We've got to experience some difficult things where the answers don't come right away. Where 13 years later, when I'm finally 30, God answers my prayer, but he gave it to me at 17 as a teenager. And sometimes it takes longer than that it happened that way for David anointed king but it wasn't until he was in his 30s that he took hold of the palace after running from Saul after following God he killed the giant he didn't do anything against Saul but Saul continued to chase him around in caves meanwhile the Lord was preparing him preparing him whatever it is you're going through You've got to understand that if your prayer isn't answered, it's not because God isn't loving. It might be because God's ways are higher than your ways, and you're a part of a bigger story, and you've got to just stay in it and stay faithful and trust him that he's going to bring about his promises. Why? Why are we a a part of a bigger story? Because we exist to serve him. He doesn't exist to serve us, and he has created us with a purpose and a plan. On-demand God does not exist, but a God who is loving, whose heart is loving, and who does what is right, and whose ways are higher than our ways, that's the God we can trust. And then finally, if on-demand God doesn't exist, who is he? We can trust this, God's presence is always enough. God's presence is always enough. Friends, there's a lot of things we think we need in life. There's a lot of things we think we need in life. Often those things become the subject of our prayers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, take a look at your prayer life. If you pray, take a look at your prayer life. I did say if. Yes, that was on purpose. When you pray. Maybe I should have put it that way. When you pray, what drives you to your knees? Most of the time, it's your own selfish needs, isn't it? It's all about what you want. I'm not trying to be hard, but let's be honest. Our prayers are oftentimes very selfish. There are things that we need that we don't get. And you can pray for those. That's not a bad thing to pray for, but if that's the only thing, then we, we got selfishness that's going on. And we tend to pray about all these things that we need, and it's not necessarily wrong. It's just not always what we really need. And on-demand God attitude, we get disappointed when God doesn't give us what we think we need. We pray, and, and we didn't get it. And we often find ourselves unsatisfied, and we find ourselves angry with God. And what I want you to understand is, is, is that above anything else, above all those other things that you think you need, there's really only one thing that you need, and that's God's presence. That's God's presence. Above everything else, there's a satisfaction that you've got to find in knowing and finding God's presence. And I told you earlier when we read Exodus 33, God has spoken something to me, and this is what we're closing the message with. And if you heard nothing else that I have said this morning, pay attention. You need to get this. All right, Exodus 32, Moses came down from the mountain. He was meeting with God. He comes down from the mountain, and what's he find? He finds the Israelites. Man, they're throwing a big party, 
right? In Exodus 32, they've gotten, they've been set free. They came up to the mountain. God did all the stuff, spoke to them on the mountain, then called Moses up into the cloud, and, and there's smoke and fire, and Moses is up there, and it's been 40 days, and they think, oh, man, that guy's been gone a long time. And so they say to, they say to, the, uh, to, to Moses' brother Aaron, they say, hey, 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 make, make for us a God. And he says, well, give me all your jewelry. And so he formed out of the jewelry a calf a golden calf, and they were calling it God, and they were dancing around, and they were, they were worshiping, and they were, they were cutting themselves, and they had given jewelry and everything else to form this calf and this golden calf, and it had only been 40 days. Moses comes down from the mountain. He's got the Ten Commandments. He smashes them to the ground. He's just angry with the Israelite people. God is angry. Judgment comes on the Israelite people. 3,000 people died. Why? The wages of sin is death. And on the tail end of that failure... I give you context for this reason. The tail end of that failure, Exodus 33, God continues his promise to his people. <laughs> That's amazing to me. Verse 1, Exodus 33, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people who you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I'll send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Listen, this is the land of promise. God made a promise to Abraham. God made a promise to Isaac. God made a promise to Jacob. God had made a promise to the people. He told Moses he made a promise. And how many of you know God keeps his promises? Even when we are unfaithful, he is faithful. All right? Even when we're unfaithful, he's, he's keeping his promise. He's saying, listen, fine, you know what? Go up from here. You just had this big party. There's judgment that came. You know what? Here, go up. Go on, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to fulfill my, you've been unfaithful, <clears throat> but I'm going to fulfill my promise to you. You'd think that'd be good news, right? That'd be good news. Finally, inherit the land. He's going to take an angel. They're going to drive him out, man. He's going to give them the land. They finally have the property, a place to call home. No longer slaves in Egypt. They'd, they'd have that property. They'd have that home. They, they wouldn't be impoverished. They'd be in the land flowing with milk and honey, uh, which is symbols of prosperity and abundance. They'd have peace. God sent an angel to drive out their enemies. Isn't that great? Right? A place to call their own. Property, peace, prosperity. Man, all those things that those TV preachers tell you you're going to have if you serve Jesus. Right? I know I'm being bad today. It's okay. I've been out of the pulpit for two weeks. You've got to forgive me. But there's a catch. You can have all those things, but here's the catch. Verse 3, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I, <laughs> I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way, for you're a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. God told them he was going to give them peace. He's going to give them prosperity. He's going to give them property. He's going to give them everything they ever wanted, all the things they ever wanted except one thing, himself. I'll give you all of that, but I'm not going with you. I'll give you all that, but I'm not going with you. You can have the peace. You can have the promise. You can have the prosperity. You can have, you can have it all. You can have your property. You can have it all. You can have that promised land. You can have my promise, but you're not going to have me. You're not going to have me. And Moses calls it a disastrous word. To get everything you want without God is a complete disaster. If you get everything you want... On-demand God, everything you want without his presence, it's disastrous. 
It's a complete disaster. And they mourn. They, they, they laid it down. They, they took off all their jewelry. They, they, they laid it all down. Why? Because they wanted his presence. They didn't just want what he provided. They didn't just want, they didn't want the peace and the prosperity and, and the property and the promise if it didn't come with his presence. They wanted God himself at the cost. They, they didn't want all the things he provided at the cost of himself. They valued his presence as the preeminent and most important thing. And we know that because later Moses comes, and I read this earlier, and he said, you say to me, bring this people up, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and found favor in your sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. And he said to him, listen, if your presence does not go with us, if my presence, excuse me, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Do not answer our prayer. Do not give us what we want if we don't have your presence. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? It is not, if it's not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. That's the difference. Finding their identity in the presence of God. Desiring the presence of God above anything else. Above any of his promises. Above what he could answer. He says, listen, 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 consider. (laughs) Consider. If I found favor in your sight. I want to find favor. I want to know you. I want to know your ways. I want to know your ways. Show me your ways. Sounds like Paul, doesn't it? Isn't that what the apostle Paul wrote? That's what he was crying out for. In Philippians, he said, I consider my life worth nothing. I consider all of it, all my reputation, all my resume, everything else that I, I consider it rubbish except knowing you. David, after he had sinned and he he was confessing his sin, he said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Out of all the things that you've given, there's one thing, take not your Holy Spirit from me. You know what I fear? I fear that we want the hand of God, we want the promises of God, we want the peace of God, we want the prosperity, we want the American dream, we want to live in this country and have everything that we want on demand, even if it's at the cost of his presence. And I feel that we have moved away Maybe I'm speaking to believers here, but we've moved away from desiring and hungering and thirsting for the presence of God more than anything else. We want his hand and not his face. And Moses said, no, I want to see your face. And right after this, God said, you can't see my face or you'll die, but I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. There is something about seeing and knowing and valuing the presence of God. Why? Because his presence is always enough. But if you have on-demand God, then you don't see his love when he doesn't answer when you want. When you have on-demand God, you can't see his ways that are higher than your ways. When you want on-demand God, you'd rather have his promises and his prosperity rather than his presence. And my challenge to you today is what kind of God are you serving? Are you serving on-demand God? Are you serving the God of the Bible? The God whose heart is always loving. The God whose ways are always higher. And the God whose presence is always enough your presence is always enough see nothing else matters if God's presence isn't with us 
God is who we should want. Do you feel this way? You find your identity by identifying yourself with the presence of God. David wrote this. I'm going to close with this, with this verse. I'll invite the worship team to come up as we close. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand, in your presence. Do you need joy? Are you struggling today? You're struggling today with certain things. Maybe God isn't answering. I'm not trying to minimize your pain in any way. But friends, I'm going to tell you that the answer to your pain, the answer to your problem is the presence of God. The answer to your problem is in seeking the presence of God and getting to know his heart that is loving and being satisfied that his presence is, is enough and asking him to, to, to allow you to see that his ways are higher and he's working out a plan. That's what, that's what we're asking for. That's what we're saying. God, God, you don't, we don't exist. You don't exist to serve us. We exist to serve you. We exist to serve you. We don't want to get that mixed up. So, Lord, today, get our priorities right. Come on, let's pray right now. Jesus, get our priorities. Get our, get our eyes lifted off of ourselves, recognizing that, that we're not the center, but you're the center. You're the center of it all. It's your presence, it's your presence, it's your presence. Your presence is always enough. Your ways are always higher. Your heart is always loving. Oh, God, speak to us today, Lord. Show us where we got this mixed up. Oh, God. Oh, God, speak to us today. Speak to us today, Lord. If you need Jesus, or maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe you, you've been struggling to believe, but today you say, you know what? I want to believe in that God. I want to believe in the God whose heart is always loving, whose ways are always higher, whose presence is always enough. You say, you know what? I want to believe. I want to put my faith in Jesus this morning. Or maybe you need to rededicate your life. You've wandered away. You've struggled. And today you want to come back and you say, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, will you slip up your hand today? I need to give my life to Christ. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus today. I want, I want to dedicate my life to the Lord today. If that's you, slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to give my life, thank you, to Jesus today. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we pray? There are a couple of raise your hands today. Can we just pray together? Can we pray together? <laughs> just a prayer, just of offering ourselves to the Lord today, surrendering ourselves to him today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you today that you love us and that you care for us. And even when we don't understand, you're working to our good. We ask you today, Jesus, to come into our lives. We surrender our heart, our expectations, what we want to you. And we give ourselves to you. We dedicate our lives to you. Forgive us of our sin. Cleanse us today. We want your presence more than anything else. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. 
For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.